think when you see someone with potential and you find a way to move all the obstacles out of their way, they become someone who can ultimately benefit the world. You're listening to the Mouthwash Podcast. Anyways, we have a, a really cool guest on today. His name is Jermaine Craig. What's up, Jermaine? I'm good. How are you? Good, man. Um, Jermaine, I feel like is probably one of the most versatile, multidisciplinary people that we've talked to yet. Um, and I can't even like get my head around all the stuff that he does. So maybe we'll just let him start. Um, but what's going on, dude? How, how are you? What time is it where you're at? And where are you? Yeah, I'm good. So I'm, I'm in London. Uh, that's where I was born and raised. It's 6 p.m. right now, so it's kind of like this is where I, I start my day for a second time. But um, this yeah. is like <laughs> this is like a nice way to kind of kick off my second morning, I guess. Do you say that because you work a lot with people in the States? Yeah, so um, uh, a good set of my clients are in the States. So it would be like, depending if I have taken on projects where I work with people in the States, this is mostly like Monday to Friday. I start a new work day at uh, 6 p.m. Oh, my gosh. Wow. So you're just around the clock. Yeah, we were actually yeah. talking to a, we we're actually talking to some friends today who said they use like a creative agency out in London and like they will get they'll like be working and doing a lot of admin stuff during the day and then the creative yeah. team in London will be working throughout the night. So they're just super efficient because it's just like flip flop time zones. Yeah, yeah. I think I think a lot of, of, of the reason is like some people think like, oh, we're hustling and really it's just you get paid better if you're working for like US agencies. But I think yeah. a lot of people are just like, you know what, the money's to be made like after 6 p.m. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. Jermaine, curious, um, so for, for the people that don't know a lot about you, um, which you guys should check him out on Twitter just to, to get a good grasp of what he does. I feel like you're pretty active on, on Twitter, but... What, yep. what, how would you best describe for, for someone that, you know, um, just come across you, like what you do, um, what are some of your goals and aspirations uh, that you're working towards? Okay, so um, like I've, I've recently kind of redefined the way I, I describe myself, and it's just um, as a problem solver. And, you know, I see all of these mediums like design or development or marketing as like, you know, tools for solving problems. And that's any type of problem. Like I'm I'm interested in like the way cities are built. I'm interested in the way people experience their bathrooms, et cetera. So, you know, I, I think people know me as a designer, but I just call myself a, a problem solver and design being just one of those tools I use to solve problems. That's awesome, man. No, um, I think that's a good way to put it. Um, maybe could you point out to some of, some of the, I guess, the things that you've either worked on um, or or, or are working on um, currently, because I think I think there's a lot of overlap in in, in some of the things that you've mentioned. Um, yeah, so actually, um, something I'm working on right now that's super interesting is uh, a company called Quanda, and what Quanda is, well, it, it's again, it's hard to define, but and um, we're calling it a modern collection for Black communities. And essentially what we're trying to do is uh, move the idea of a village and, you know, people giving back to that village online, because that's a concept that black people historically are, are very familiar with. But um, also historically, 
you know, there's there's been an issue around trust in our communities. So that is like the design problem, essentially, is like how do you, you know, tackle that issue by bringing, uh, you know, group economics and, and village-like mentality online into a digital space. So that's something I'm working on right now. That's cool because it's like a very wide uh, problem set like a, a very wide area to work across. It deals with, you know, the psychology of people. It deals with uh, trust. It deals with finances. And, it, and like, a cool thing is, like, within that, I get to really design this experience um, online that people find themselves immersed in. And, it, like, you know, it speaks to their culture. It speaks to what they care about. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's, like, something I'm working on right now that really, like, allows me to explore um, the full spectrum of my uh interests and skill sets yeah it looks like so so people so it looks like you can suggest a project and then um like the community or people like us can choose to fund whichever project we want or we can like throw we can put money into the pot to fund anything is that is that kind of typically how it works yeah that's that's basically how it works there's like a a a general membership function there where it's like you know, you as a person, you, you come to the village and you just put money in the pot regularly. Mm-hmm. And then there's more separated out projects, whether it's, you know, we're paying for uh, five people to do therapy for six weeks. And, you, and it's like you can fund that separately. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's, 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 it's just about people coming together. And, and uh, it speaks to the idea of self-governance. That's something I've always been interested in, the idea that, you know, we can look after ourselves if we are like headed in a, in a single direction. Right. And just like the idea of like opportunity, right? Is like, yeah, yeah, big time. I think it's fascinating that A, you're doing this um, because it's like a, it's a, it's a big thing to intake. Um, and, and you also didn't have to do something where like, you know, you could have been not selfish, but just like, um, just been about your um, business and ambitions. But the fact that you're like working so diligently to include other people and, and provide uh, access um, you know, to, to, to minorities specifically, I think is something really admirable. Um, and I, I guess what, what, what originally made you kind of like, um, in, invest time and energy into something like this? Is there, is there something that like, you've always felt like the need to do or, or something that you kind of met somebody? Um, how, how did that happen? Yeah. So this is, this is something I've been thinking about for years, but, um, and it's not for the reason, like a lot of people would imagine, like, I'm not coming from a place uh, of like, oh, um, we're so downtrodden that we need help and like no one's helping us. It's more that um, I think when you see someone with potential um, and you find a way to move all the obstacles out of their way, they become someone who can ultimately benefit the world. And when I look at the the Black community, I see a bunch of people uh, with potential but having a lot of obstacles in their way. And so for me, it's more like it, I'm trying to help the world by giving them access to some of the geniuses that are within the Black community. And that's by, you know, giving them professional recording space, um, giving them canvases they can they can use to create art or giving them camera equipment they can use to create movies or giving them, you know, chairs on boards where they can make decisions that create, you know, these amazing diverse uh, companies. Because I, even when you just look at, you know, with minorities, like the way we operate on Twitter and like the, the creativity is is crazy. And I think like that's the same creativity you can use to solve problems like world hunger or 
um, solve problems in education, etc. So I, I, I'm really just like uh, unlocking the door and getting the hell out of the way because I think there's like so much creativity just being like locked away and, and you know and and that these obstacles that are really unnecessary stand in the way of it. And I've experienced you know having obstacles and then living in a state where those obstacles don't exist. And that's why I've been able to like do all of this stuff. And I'm no different from, you know, the guy that just lives down the road from me, but he hasn't had those obstacles removed yet. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's interesting because it's like, it's like something we talk about in like design and, you know, creative thinking all the time. And it's the same really like parallel with humanity where like the answer is probably already right in front of you. It just needs to be uncovered a little bit. And yeah, yeah. Uh, it's kind of like what you're doing is like the answer to like some of these like really long-standing problems might be being held within a village that just hasn't had the chance or seen the light of day. And so it's cool that you're, 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 you know, kind of like spending time to help uncover those, those answers or at least try to, um, that feels like way more meaningful than me sitting behind a computer screen sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think like something that, that was cool was just, you know, I've always thought, you know, design like as a medium is just so cool. Like there's so much learning to do. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how can you like translate that, you know, that ultimately that problem solving skill to, to something that's in the real world. So mm-hmm. for me, first it started off as like, oh, I can design bus stops that are better. Or I can design like, you know, bathrooms that, that feel better. But then it, it kind of scaled up and it's like, no, you can design countries with that sort of, you know, product approach. Mm. Where it's like, you know, you, you learn and then you iterate and you improve upon this thing that we already have. It seems like um, just taking a look through your websites and the different projects that are currently running and some that are kind of um, like up next, it seems like pretty established. you want to talk a little bit about um, when it started, how it started and like what that kind of looked like? Yeah, like, what's the beginning look like for you? Yeah, so uh, Kwanda, it, it's it's cool that you say, like, it seems pretty established because we only started it two months ago, uh, two months wow. or three months ago. We started it in uh, February. When I say we, that's that's me and, like, increasingly volunteers that are helping out. But, um, yeah, a lot of people that have kind of run, run into it have been, like, the execution's really good. You know, like, it, it seems like it's a proper, proper big company. But um, I think that's just... Uh, because of like systems that I've been rigorous about putting in place to ensure like yeah. everything looks really good and everything functions like it's been around for a couple of years because I think that's just generally important when you're when you're creating something like this um you know there's this uh, myth that if it's like black earned or minority earned the quality is low so that's just mm-hmm. something I couldn't uh, that was a non-negotiable for me it had to be like it had to look like the shit really yeah. yeah, I mean, especially like for that just shows the power of design and and like those design systems that you're talking about, because when it comes to yeah. money and when it comes to trusting people with that, like one, like so impressive that you have this like ledger and this like transparency level. But also like if I come to this site, like it's immediately something that I want to put my trust in and believe in. And like it's equally transparent when it comes to finance but also like aspirational and like makes me want to be a part yeah. of it so I think that's that's super important and like huge that you were so um like determined to do that right off the bat because when it comes to money I think like that's huge so I think that's yeah. like a really a really impressive accomplishment on your end yeah thank you that was one of those things where I, 
Like, because with with anything, when you're building a company or you know, even just like dealing with design clients, you have a, a bunch of assumptions, and um, most of them are wrong. And like one assumption I've had over my my career as a designer is, oh, stuff needs to look good. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, you always kind of go up against clients that have uh, you know different metrics they're trying to push up, like they want to make sales, and you, you're arguing for you know the beauty of things and like how that how mm-hmm. that. Re- um, translates to an enjoyable experience for the user and therefore, you know, dollars on the other end. But um, th- this was like a, a time, fortunately, where that assumption was right. And, you know, a lot of people that do join, they say they only joined because it looked it looked like this. It looked like something that was legit. It looked like some, something they could put their trust into. And yeah. it looked like something that was built by, you know, serious people. So this is kind of like my my my. Uh, a reference point from now on when, you know, someone kind of speaks against the idea of, you know, something that feels and looks mm-hmm. beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, so, so there's Quanda and then what was the other thing you were talking about? Other shapes? Yeah. Know. Other shapes. And even like, you, I don't know if you're still doing it, but a mood I remember coming across, which I thought. Oh was yeah, yeah. 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 So um, yeah, I'll talk about both of them. So other shapes, again, it's, it speaks to this idea of beauty. And I think, um, especially with uh, print designers, like I'm, I'm a huge fan of, of print design. That's why I really like, like the work you guys do because I just love that whole aesthetic and that look. And um, I remember just being in conversation with a lot of print designers and, you know, print is, is a real life medium. So um, print design is kind of coming online is, is a new thing. Um, and like websites like Mouthwash is is relatively new, that kind of style coming online. Mm. And um, I just know a bunch of talented print designers that don't have good websites because they're not like tapped into the digital realm. And yeah. so other shapes was like me trying to bring them online and say, look, your your website should look as good as your actual, you know, design work. And, mm. and it's always like, it always irks me when, you know, you just have a like really print, a talented print designer and then they come online and like the container they use to showcase their work just doesn't match up and right. it's just it's, it's a weird thing so other shapes was really about that it was like re- yeah really it was about um allowing print designers to bring their work online and show it off in a way that you know matches up with their actual design work and then two it was um a lot of people just always used to ask me oh, how do you make your work so clean or i want my website to look as clean as yours and, you know, they're, they're, like as a designer, there are just these things you, you pick up along the way um, around spacing and white space. And it, it's weird because those it's one of those things that, you know, people ask me how to be a good designer. And all I can say to them is you know, surround yourself with beautiful things, buy nice furniture, because like you, you get accustomed to, to uh, balance and, and white space and spacing through just experiencing that all the time. And so on the second hand, the other shapes was my way to like, you know, allow people to have these beautiful websites that are simple and elegant and they can like proudly show off to people and also customize a bit because, you know, keeping your website space uh, simple allows you to just add in these little quirks that, that really personalize the website to you. And I think that's where design is moving in some way where, you know, we're creating these canvases that are simple enough to allow some flexibility. I think like a lot of people should kind of engage in that and that's what other shapes was. Yeah, it seems like even outside of designers, like a lot of people could benefit from this, like photographers, writers, like yeah. it's, it's it, it all comes down to the presentation. And, and, you know, I think websites in general are something that's 
is there's so much opportunity and um, so much um, like potential and competition because right now I feel like some of the temp- major template sites have too much of the um, market space as far as like you go on to any you know film person or any uh, music artist and they're most likely going to have like a square space or, or a cargo template right and and to see people like you making custom ones um, available for people is really cool and also just curious like what what's your plan and is there is there a plan or is it just kind of one of those things where you just drop like you know uh, eight and and call it a day um, do you want to keep like keep it going um what's kind of the next stage so with this one it's weird because kwanda just came about and took over my whole schedule yeah. so i haven't been able to like look at it as much as i i would have had to look at it i think if if people reach out and um are like yo i really want to make a site that looks like this i obviously hook them up because the system's already in place to make it like really easy to spin out one of these like nice looking custom site so mm-hmm. yeah the the plan right now is there is no plan because kwanda just doesn't allow me to to, to think for more than 10 minutes a day so um yeah. but if someone's like yo i really need this i'll like take the time out to to get their website online that's awesome and, and i guess it, it kind of goes into the next thing which was like the a mood thing which you mentioned like surrounding yourself with beautiful things and, and like furniture and all that stuff. Um, can you talk a little bit about a mood or a dash? Yeah. So, so a mood is a, it's, it's, it's essentially a mood board, but you can use it for a few things. It's a really, again, like a, just a clean uh, canvas where you just post up pictures that you find inspirational and you use that as, as your mood board. And the, the reason I started it was because um, I was using Pinterest a lot. And Pinterest is great for uh, discovery, for like, you know, you put up an image and it shows you a bunch of other images that that look like that image and you can kind yeah. of explore and discover, which is cool. But it wasn't so great for presentation because mm-hmm. one, the, the interface was very clunky and two, um, you're trying to show off this, this essential mood board and visual aesthetic to a client, for example, and then they get distracted by the discovery and all the other stuff around it. So it was kind of like, okay, once I've established my visual style or the things I want to look at, how can I just put it on a really clean canvas and strip away all the noise? And that's what uh, AMood was for uh, primarily. And then it ended up, you know, evolving into something a photographer could easily use for, the, for their portfolio because it's, it's just like a, it looks visually like a like a gallery so it's kind mm. of two things yeah it's, it's more frontal so so it, it, i think it works really good for like visual um like create like creatives like photographers for for example yeah dude it seems like all of the things that you make are like for the people and are for like they're like just you want to make like resources available for people and it doesn't feel like opportunistic monetarily in a way not like a negative way but I'd yeah. be curious to hear kind of like your theory behind like giving away things that probably took you like a long time. Like I'm sure, I mean, there's a lot of systems and like a lot of like programs and software that are free to use, but it it feels very like not part of this long-term plan. And maybe I'm wrong to like eventually get me to subscribe for $10 a month or something, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's kind of, I, I think... Um, there's a few there's a few things behind that and um, one of them is like 
I grew up loving design mm-hmm. and just like, you know, when you first start designing and you just love it, you just like on Photoshop every day or whatever. And then mm-hmm. I quickly just, just by the very nature of my background, you know, I grew up like not having tons of money and I always wanted stuff and just couldn't have it. So I quickly had to start making money from design and then subsequently kind of like grew to hate design because it was all about making money, etc. So, mm-hmm. um, stuff like a mood or other shapes, um, as much as them being tools for other people to use, they're just opportunities for me to design uh, without thinking about money. And so naturally mm. they just become things, resources for other people that are that are free. And it's kind of like, I, I designed them for myself in, in a way as well. Like I want, I, I hated using Pinterest to present work. So I wanted like right. a, a clean mood board and it was just, you know, of course other people would want the same thing. So Right. Yeah, we always talk about like when we're, for us, like when we make when we make anything, it's stuff that we would make for ourselves, anyways. Which I feel yeah. like is how you like unlock whatever it is in the world that you're trying to do. Is if like you make something like that you wish somebody else would have made for you, then you kind of know that you're you know you're winning at that point because you're creating a system or a program or whatever it is that other people can use that you would actually use if if somebody else had created it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man, and it's, yeah, and it's just like. I, I've so I've got like problems focusing, um, and, and I guess maybe it's called ADD. I guess that's the clinical yeah. term. And I, I just think everything should be uh, like very simple and like digestible and beautiful for the sake of those people whose brains are a little too crowded. Hmm. And um, I think like another service that I, I like to say I do for for people is recreate tools in a way that's just a bit lighter on them. You know, and that's mm-hmm. what a mood is. That's what other shapes is. It's like for the person who, you know, lands on Pinterest and it's going to make their day that, that, that little bit more anxiety and thing because they had to mm-hmm. use that product for an hour or two. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. We talk about that a lot. I feel bad because this is the second episode where we've like kind of like talked negatively about Pinterest, but I mean, I feel like yeah. I mean, we, I mean, we used it a lot. But Jermaine, have you ever heard of Arena? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I actually just—I uh, don't know. Maybe I heard of it because you retweeted it onto my timeline or something. But oh, I yeah. came across that like a, a month or two ago. I really like that. Yeah, yeah. You should check that out. It's cool. It's not to like. I mean, a mood. It, it feels a lot like a mood in a way, but it's kind of like a little bit. It's it's like kind of built out. And it's like a social use platform, but it's cool. It's, it's the same idea where it's like, how do we strip away all the, the like, you know, distractions and just focus on really what is in front of us. Um, yeah. 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 A black background or a white background. That's it. Yeah, man. I love that stuff. I started using, uh, this thing that's kind of got a bit of, uh, popularity recently called Rome research. I don't know if you've heard of that. Uh-uh. Have you guys heard of that? Mm-hmm. So it's like, um, uh, how do you describe it? It's like, it's like note taking, but you can reference stuff. And it's, uh, I think it was built for like people who do scientific research and stuff, but it's just really good for like, you know, opening up a blank piece of paper every day, uh, writing down a bunch of different things, whether that's stuff you've learned or quotes you like, and then tagging it. So it essentially like self organizes. So the next day you can just click on the quotes tag and like for the year, everything you've written under that tag is like there. And it's kind of like, because I always run into the issue of, you know, 
opening up a bunch of notes and then like, I can't, like, I don't know where I put everything. Yeah. And, and that just really, really sorts that out. And it creates this kind of graph at the end where you can kind of link to everything. It's really cool. I huh. recommend you check it out. Yeah. If your brain's like, it's called Rome Research. R-O-A-M. Okay. Research. I'm literally typing it up right now. That's so cool. <laughs> it looks uh, horrible, but... Maybe we'll hit them up and see if we could redesign. Um, I'm a little curious about uh, just kind of the nature of working with, like, nonprofits. I think yeah. for us, even even as, like an agency like the way we operate and where like our clients are always extremely for profit um we just don't deal with like a lot of nonprofits um as much and so i'd be curious and i mackenzie you worked mackenzie actually worked for an agency that only had nonprofit clients for a while so i'm sure you guys both have something to talk about on it but um like churches and like big events and conferences that were all nonprofit which i think is really cool um and like a rare intersection but i'd be curious to hear from you and mackenzie both like what are some of the like rare obstacles that people might not think about of you building like a nonprofit company, especially at the intersection of like creativity and design. Um, kind of where are those like struggling overlaps coming in from? Yeah. So Mackenzie will probably have a lot more to say to me because about this, cause I'm just like super new to it, but um, yeah. I will say it's been a shock. <laughs> like I, it, it's one of those weird things where it's actually really hard to help people like and you, you think like you know the design is easier or, or all of these things but it's like as challenging as you know working or designing or creating experiences for a for-profit but just in an entirely different direction mm-hmm. and I think a lot more of your assumptions are shattered um you know like when you're collecting feedback uh from users or whatever I think when you're working on a on a product where it's paid there's like a really a small scope of feedback to receive and you can quickly like work on those things and, and make this product perfect but with a for-profit it it's like there's a bunch of emotions involved and you know clarity is super important with a for-profit because they need to understand exactly what you're doing and what you plan to do and so mm-hmm. it becomes a communication challenge and that's what I found like I've rewritten um, the about page so many times because you know, it's just really hard to communicate your your overarching and long-term goals with a for-profit as opposed to, you know, um, a productivity tool where it's just like, hey, our goal is to help you do this thing X times quicker than you not, than you normally do it. Um, yeah. So I think, yeah, communication is like the, the big challenge with, with for-profit, with non-profit work, sorry. Yeah. yeah Would you I agree, like Mackenzie? For me, like the biggest discrepancy I felt between like these bigger client projects and then working for like these non-for-profits was like it seems like the like non-for-profit work was a little bit more like the aesthetics were stuck in some other world like it they almost felt like they didn't need to be in this like modern relevant design style it seemed Mm -hmm. like there was this like bucket of a look and feel that if you landed on this website or this design you'd understand it's like a charity and I don't think it needs to be that way. And I think like a lot of times that happens because a lot of like charities and stuff, the design is done by people for free or for little like less money. So it seems like 
not as much importance is placed on it, like versus if some agency is working on it for $50,000, like versus some freelancer doing it for free, like there's just a, a gap there. So I think like landing on your website or something like that, like what you've done is, is very important because it's elevating that into the world of like everything else in design and giving it that same importance and like wanting to look around on it and understand it. And I think just a lot of these charities are suffering purely because of the design and because people don't know how to engage with it. Cause it's kind of like in this other world. Yeah. It's so, it's so weird because like charities have been around for so long. You would have thought, you know, a good like section of the industry would have just tried to do crazy stuff. But right. it, it's even like, interesting when I think about Quanda because like I can confidently say to people oh we're the first people doing this or we're the first people doing that and it's it's mm-hmm. just weird like I've never been able to say that about anything like there's seven billion people in the world it's pretty hard to be you know the first person doing anything but I've said right. that about you know five different parts of Quanda just because you know like you said the charity sector they they just seem to have stayed still for, for quite a long time and I, I, maybe it's because you know there are a few large companies that dominate the space or whatever, but, or charity, should I say? But yeah, I'm not too sure. Yeah, it seems like, like either nonprofits or charities need more people like you who are designed minded and can build systems in all aspects or need to like invest in better design or like creative methods or systems or, and not even need to, but like from the standpoint of like, there's so much more that could be unlocked if it was presented well or communicated well or looked really nice. Um, yeah, I don't know. What, what are your like thoughts around that? Like, how do you think we like pay more attention to design in nonprofits? Cause I feel like you've done a good job with Quanda. And do you, th- do you look, do you think of that issue as like a, a, an entire problem or do you kind of see it as like, I'm good at this and can do it. And this is like where I feel like my heart is. So I'm going to do it myself. No. Yeah. I think it's a big issue when we talk about, you know, the generation that's coming up because, that's kind of partially why I felt it was so important to, to build Quandra in the way I built it. Like young people just don't trust charity. Mm. And it's because it doesn't look like, you know, the platforms they visit day to day. So wow. you, you go on, like you're spending your whole day on Instagram and all of these like forward thinking companies. And then all of a sudden you're supposed to go on, I don't know, like Oxfam. And it just it just doesn't make sense that you you don't know how to enter your credit card details in like the 1999 form they've got up like yeah. your Apple Pay doesn't work and and all of these things it's just it's, yeah it's just charity just stood still and I think um, they've essentially just dismissed the whole generation of potential givers in yeah. my eyes. I think in large part it has to do because they're they're often unmanned like there's not as many and not i I don't know what's the right way to say it but like there's often not enough people working for nonprofits because they're always working with the smallest budgets and the people making decisions are usually not creatives you know they're they're finance people or they're you know um they're just trying to uh, you know please investors or so so like design often isn't maybe as value as it should and, and leaves like you said a lot of potential people out uh, out of out of the uh, the market um but yeah i, I think it, in my experience with nonprofits, it's always like it feels like they're they're always like understaffed 
Where were you at? Not National Breast Cancer? Yeah, National Breast Cancer Foundation. My sister still works there, but like, and, and, and they're one of the bigger ones, but but like even some of the, the smaller, some smaller ones, like they, that's like something that, you know, they really have to battle with. You have one person doing five people's jobs, um, which yeah, yeah. you might be able to do, but like sometimes, you know, people just aren't equipped for that. Right, right. Yeah, maybe, and like, maybe it's about, you know, opening up the, the filter to people who are younger because like one thing that I've been essentially saying to people and you know I say this one to members of the black community and then I say it to, to young people in general and it's um like I think one thing in the black community is we're still in like hustle mode we're still like trying to get our own so there's no room to think about giving back but um, I try to tell people that we're in positions where we can start thinking about giving back and you actually generally get more once you start doing that. And so I think with a lot of younger people, it's like, I've got to wait till I'm 40 or 50 before I actually start thinking about charity. So there's probably not a lot of younger people that are more nimble, even interested in you know designing websites for charities or designing products for charities. And so there's probably like, it's probably also hard to just hire um, people who are going to design you know, charity websites or products that actually, you know, feel like they're futuristic or, or modern. Yeah. I want to touch on something that you, you just mentioned, um, specifically around creatives in the brown and black community, um, and especially in tech. What? Yeah. And you've been pretty vocal about it. What What are some of the, the problems that maybe you're seeing? Um, because if I'm noticing, I'm sure it's it, you're probably noticing the same things in, in UK. Um, about like uh, underrepresented, you know, uh, black and, and brown um, creatives in, in, in both design and tech. Yeah, so it's it's weird because, like, I, I guess you know, th- there's the population issue where there just aren't as many of us, so that's mm-hmm. fair. But um, it, I personally think uh, like black and brown communities are best equipped to take on you know, the technology industry, because it's all about ingenuity, creativity, etc. So um, I really don't understand why that funnel is a wider. Um, if I was to guess, yeah, if I was to guess, it, it, it would just be an access thing. It's more, I think, not even so much that uh, people are being uh, blocked, but people don't understand how to gain access to the industry. Mm. Yeah. And, and it also might be one of those things where it's like a, it's a societal like structure, depending on the country that you live in, you know, a communist country versus, a, you know, a dem- democratic one. You're more likely to have more freedom to, to think creatively and openly versus, you know, and, and it might be like that. But I, I look at like Africa as a continent and how much people yeah. it has and how much like uh, like untapped talent there is that we, we yeah. you know, we don't know because they don't have the access that we have and and if we were to have the same starting point like man i'd be curious to see what all would come out of there like how many amazing uh, creations and and uh, yeah i, I think see, seeing you really like motivates me just to be able to help and give back um at, at a young age too right so to like you know to be able to five years from now see you know look around and and and, and be in the same room with some of the same colored people i, I think will be really cool and and like you said you you kind of like give them resources and then you they kind of amaze you with what they do with it 
Yeah, yeah, because it's just like I'm like I said, I'm always amazed, and I, and I I say that, say this to everyone. I say like you know if you enjoy the output from you know black brown communities, if you enjoy the music, if you enjoy the music, if you enjoy the timeline, you know invest in it, not because they need it, but because you get to see more of that shit. Yeah. Like you get to laugh more, you get to dance more, you get to hear more music, etc. Mm. Like so, like I said, like early on, it, it's not because we need it or because we're suffering, or it's because like the whole world benefits if everyone right. is, is allowed to unleash their genius. And like you said, look at Africa, man. Imagine, you know, they had the exact same opportunities. We might not be in this pandemic right now, or global warming might not be an issue. Or, you know, we might all be on universal basic income or whatever, you know, all of these kind of things we're facing. Imagine we had, you know, two X more brains working on it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, I look at like some of the, the things that come out of Africa. I saw a brand called Motherland um, that that I came across because uh, I think like Tyler Mitchell maybe did something with them. But it, it just amazes me that like you don't think oftentimes – like a fashion or you don't think of like, even like we get inquiries from some web developers in Africa and like you don't normally think of Africa as a place to go to like maybe for some of these things, but there's, it's a lot bigger than the United States. So it's like, how much of, of, of this do, do I not know that exists out there in like something that I'm really interested um, because, you know, we, we live in such a modern time yet for whatever reason, Africa feels so far away. Yeah. And if, it's, it's, if we be honest with ourselves too, like it feels forgotten about, you know, like there's, you, you think of like design communities like Japan and you think of design communities yeah. in like Europe and you just don't, I can't even like, you know, it's just, it, it's, it's messed not up. because of lack of talent. That's for sure. It's, it's not because of lack of talent. You know, it's, I, I think there, there's, there's, there's still roadblocks from, from, from at least from where we are, um, to, to maybe some of the, the creatives or, or people with potential in Africa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'd say, uh, I think you have to be attuned to it as well, because it's like, we all collectively decided that, you know, um, Scandinavian furniture was cool. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and then it was cool. And it's like, there's that stuff's already happening in Africa. There's already design trends, design styles. And it's, you know, if you're exposed to it, you look at it, you're like, wait, this is actually cool. And then the next person says, this is actually cool. And all of a sudden, um, there is, you know, African design. So it's mm-hmm. kind of like being exposed to it. Like recently, I've been exposed to a lot of um, African artists. And there's this like cool visual style where, you know, the skin is like jet black. And then it allows the other colors around the canvas to really pop out. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just become my favorite style of art now and i've been posting it on the uh Kwanda twitter a lot and people are taking to it and it's like i'm sure the whole world saw it they'd be like what is this style like this is these are the new like you know legendary artists and no one's paying attention to them so it's definitely a tuning you know like if, if you spend enough time sitting in a certain type of house you start to fall in love with the way it feels and those houses are already in africa and there's like creative people building them but people just aren't sitting in them yeah it's interesting that you said like at some point, it's like a choice for it was a choice for somebody at some point to decide that the Swiss make great typefaces or that Scandinavian furniture is good or like, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. And like, it's, you know, at some point, at some point, it's somebody's choice or all of our choice collectively to decide that this thing is actually good. And they've actually been making it for like hundreds of years. You know, it's like, how do you 
how do we attune ourselves and how do we, and I think there's also a responsibility too to like educate ourselves and not to, I think the association, it's like, it's like, it's like when you grow up in like middle America and you're not attuned with any like design forward thinking. And then you yeah. realize, Oh, some of these cool people like Scandinavian furniture. So I'm going to like Scandinavian furniture. So they know that I'm cool. It's like this weird like, system that's already built. Right. Yeah. 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 Exactly. That's exactly what I'm talking about. I think it's like, like responsibility on us to yeah. reinvent those systems and to like introduce ourselves to new things, you know, moving forward and not just tie so close to one thing. Yeah, definitely, man. There's just a melting pot of, like, creativity and inspiration. And, like, the more of it you see, the more you can do. And then the more you want to bring other people out into the limelight because it's, like, like it's strange because, um, like, people come into my apartment and they're, like, I love the way this place is designed. Like, it feels different. But for Mm -hmm. me, it's, like, a merge of, like, Japanese design uh, sensitivity with Scandinavian. And then the detail that really makes it kick is, like, taking all the inspiration from growing up in my mum's house or African household mm-hmm. and like adding that, that extra warmth to it. And, you know, people come to my house and they don't know what it is. They just like it. And it's like, if you had like, you know, experienced African culture, you'd know exactly what I've mm-hmm. done here. Cause they can clearly see they're like, Oh, you like Japanese design. I'm like, yeah. They're like, Oh, you kind of like Scandinavian design aesthetic as well. And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, I just don't know. There's something else, but I don't know what it is. And it's like, mm-hmm. that's the African but yeah that's interesting like we like people like it's not as recognizable just because less people have like like titled it and like gave it a name and accepted it into their own style you know yeah so yeah exactly dude what do you think is like kind of swinging back over to nonprofit stuff um what do you think is like what do you see is like the biggest motivator for people typically like how do you how do we convince people to contribute to things that are actually changing the world? And, you know, maybe design is in that answer. Maybe it's something more practical than that, but I'd just be curious from you. And I know Quanda is super new, but it's, it sounds like you're, yeah. you've been dealing with systems and creating systems where you're not, you're kind of asking people to contribute to, or you're, you're not really selling anything. I would, I would just be curious for you, like what have you seen in your experience is like the biggest motivator for people to take part in some of the things that you've been building? Um, I think, one thing that I can say for sure is um, representation. Like people have to feel like this is the thing they've been screaming about and everyone's been ignoring and um, the the nonprofit has to represent that. So um, uh, I think like simple things like, hey, you're a part of something or you're changing lives oddly doesn't work as well as um, I've taken everything you said and built a product that represents that. Hmm. I think people have to feel like this nonprofit or this idea or this social enterprise is is a clear extension of themselves. Hmm. And then Hmm. once they feel like that, you have to like reinforce that. And I think that's what's cool about what we're doing at Kwanda with, you know, the village and everyone having a voice because like when I speak to people, I say I created this um, for everyone who thinks like this and thinks about ideas in this way. So, you know, you should use, Kwanda to fulfill your idea of what you know a black community should look like rather than us dictating how we feel a black community should look like I'm just creating a vehicle for us to all get inside and giving people control over that as well yeah yeah because yeah that's the the, with Kwanda I'm 
trying to do something that's really, really, really hard. But the only way to do it is in a distributed way where uh, people can go and like put forward the ideas of Kwanda without me having a clue. Like it's going to be impossible to, to, to do it in any way that's, you know, uh, not location independent. Mm. When it comes to, because it's so new, um, when it comes to like you looking forward to the future of Kwanda and kind of seeing how it's going to grow and how more people are going to know about it, is it something that you see as like, um, like is your mission right now to just get more people to get eyes on it and hear what it is and, and how are you going about that? Or are you kind of on the route of like, we're going to be doing this thing and it's going to grow organically and like kind of word of mouth. Um, like just in, interested as like a business wise, obviously you're not a business, you're not selling anything, but if you're selling a product, you want to advertise it and get people to know about it and hear about it. But I'm just wondering how you're thinking of it differently because you're not necessarily selling a product, but are you still trying to advertise it a little bit? Yeah. So um, like one of the key things is, uh, you know, trust, uh, transparency and engagement. And so I'm growing uh, Kwanda along those lines and I'm um, stopping the growth if I feel like we're ever sacrificing on trust, transparency mm. and engagement. Like I feel like people aren't getting as involved in the ideation processes anymore. If I feel like people don't trust that the money's been spent in the right way, that the, the I, I gate the growth to that effect. So um, in an ideal world, I want it to grow really quickly and you know, get to a million a month in contributions. But uh, the the main like headline metric for me is, you know, do uh, villagers believe it's still the thing we promised them when they first joined? Mm. And so, so that's like kind carrying, of carrying that promise like all the way through. Yeah, that's yeah, that's like the number one thing I'm looking at every day. So um, a, a big thing is integrity as well. So mm. it's like if I said I'm going to send a newsletter out on Friday. Um, but there's a chance to make, you know, two hundred pounds in in contributions. I've got a, I've got to send the newsletter out on Friday. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's crazy. Like thinking about how so so many businesses, so many people, us even, like, have said we're going to do something and don't do it, and you know, out of like, oh, like nobody's really paying that close attention, or like, you know, there's, you know, there's just been whatever. Like we're we'll like do a giveaway on mouthwash and then like we say we're gonna send it out thursday and then we got busy so we sent it out friday and like those things are like small but it's interesting that like and that's just us being transparent because we we get busy but like it's interesting for you saying like i have to do exactly what i say i'm gonna do and i think sometimes as businesses or entities we feel like we can get away with certain things you know like like we can fly under the radar a little bit more as opposed to like facing this person and then being disappointed in you because you didn't say what you were going to do. So that's like an interesting thing. Yeah. It's in the worst kind of way is I've been forced to do that by the very nature of uh, what Kwanda is. And that's because, you know, historically when, when you think about black organizations, they've done the opposite and that's why the the issue of trust exists now. Mm. So it's kind of like, I have to just, I have to do this because people are expecting the newsletter to not go out on Friday mm. wow. or they're expecting, you yeah. know, this to be a scam or, you know, things like that. So I have to be transparent because people right. are like, Oh, this one, this is a pyramid scheme or something, something like that. Yeah. Especially because like the, the, the second that you drop something, it's like, okay, where's my money going to? It's not actually helping people. It's not actually helping this village. 
like all this. So it's like every little decision you make is really fulfilling, you know, everybody's reason to to continue to contribute. Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of like, those are still the issues, like the issues of growth or the, 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 the issues still trust. So I still have to be entirely focused on things that make us, you know, trustworthy. And I think, yeah. and I think people would never say those things out loud, but whether they're like to admit it or not, when it comes to, to things uh, oftentimes from minorities, um, they're just not used to, to expecting things of that nature. So, so yeah. subconsciously they, they have these like negative connotations. Um, so it, it does feel good probably to like, to do something with pride, knowing that they aren't expecting you to do it. Yeah. And it's like, and yeah, I, I agree a hundred percent and you can, you can capitalize on that because then it stands out when you do send that thing on time or you do have a really polished website or you do have great customer service. Like they, yeah. they weren't expecting it and it's a surprise and it feels better than it would have had it been, you know, a company whom they were expecting that from yeah dude there's a, there's um there's a few things i want to talk about um you do so much we haven't even gotten to music but one, one of the things i really want to touch on is um oh, your article about what will happen to the homeless in a cashless society so a few years ago i i used to live like smack downtown um in dallas oh, wow. and anybody that lives downtown I, alex i'm sure you you interact with a lot of homeless people now that you mm-hmm. live downtown but, you know, after like a year or, or more so of living downtown, I don't know how many people I just told I don't have cash. And it wasn't yeah. because I, di- I didn't want to give it to them. I just genuinely, you know, I did not have cash. You know, you get paid direct deposit and like you, you don't ever have the need to, to, to have cash anymore. Um, so, so it was one of those things that like I was thinking in my head, I was like, no one's doing anything about this. So when I came across your article, I was like super interested. Um, is there any movement in that or like what, what's kind of like just a give people the background on it and like B like, is there any progress since the article? Yeah. So um, the, the, the background and just to explain what that was is it, it started off as a question uh, which was, you know, in a contactless society, how do you, continue to get people on the streets change and um essentially it, it, it was like how do you do that while ma- maintaining their dignity um and, and yourself maintaining that that feel good sense of helping people and then finally uh producing some ease in the way that you do help people and so i essentially designed this uh, contactless reader uh and this uh background system of distribution that allows you to, you know, set your budget at the beginning of the week, whether that's £10, $10 you, you wish to give away to people. And mm-hmm. uh, once you've done that, the the interaction beyond that point is just a simple tap on the person's contact li- contactless reader. And if you were to tap on 10 people's readers, for example, the money would be divided by that number and, and sent out to those people at the end of the day. If you only tapped on one person, and they get the full £10, but then there would be the system where, you know, they have a daily amount they can get, so it's sustainable, and they can, you know, use that money over time. It was quite, the background was quite complicated. I tried to explain it in, in the best way possible, but yeah, it was just, you know, how, how do you use technology to, to look after people? Um, and so in regards to movement, at the time I designed that, I had, I was very confident I wouldn't be able to pull it off, so I kind of pitched it as 
look, here are my ideas. If anyone with, you know, an actual team and funding could pull this off, you could just have these ideas and create this thing. Uh, I think a, a few design teams, you know, they looked at it and created something similar. But um, ultimately, you need like a lot of buy-in from the government to have built the system I actually proposed. So I, I don't think anyone's done anything that that matches it. But again, it's it's still there. And now I'm actually thinking it about it as something that I'd like to do under Quanda once we get to a certain amount of funding. Hmm. Yeah. Dang, that's so sick. Yeah, it's like, should... it's fascinating. <laughs> yeah, I guess we're, you know, coming close to the end of this. But Jermaine, I, I just wanted to kind of talk a little bit. I, I just feel like you have so many, you know, so many, your hands in so many things. And yeah. Um, direction of like what you want to do with your life is probably changing all the time but um where do you kind of see yourself going i know kwanda is just starting but is there is there something you really want to accomplish or like um yeah so um i definitely feel like i'm one i'm narrowing in on on what i want to do now like a kwanda is something i want to exist uh 200 300 400 years after i've gone and Mm -hmm. um but I haven't told a lot of people, but I, I want to become the president of Nigeria one day. Oh, man. And I, like, I, Hell yeah. I, there's, there's a system to fix that, and I, and I want to do that. And I think, and that's why uh, I, I really care about Kwanda succeeding, because I think that would be a way to prove that you can uh, fix, um, like, a, a country through smart systems and, and yeah. uh, policies that allow everyone to get involved in that process. Um, and yeah, I still, I have a dream of just designing a city one day, like a smart city and, you know, designing all the bus stops and all the grocery stores and all that stuff. So that's kind of where I'm going towards. Man. Well, when you're the president of Nigeria one day, because I I think you're going to be, well, uh, uh, you have to promise (laughs) that we can visit you. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Definitely. Definitely. I'll show you some African houses. Dude, that's we've we've uh, so we've done this podcast three seasons. I gotta say that's probably the best answer. That's the best we've had. (laughs) Oh yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah, dude. I mean, I I just don't think like I think so much so much of the things that as, as young people like feel unattainable, and to hear someone you know like you. Um, just to, to have those dreams is, is really inspiring because it, it just shows that like anything really is possible. And, mm-hmm. you know, if, if anything good has come from the Trump presidency, it's, it's that, is that like, if, if this doofus yeah. can do it, like, you know, so could, <laughs> so could anybody. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. That. Yeah. And it's kind of like, you, you know, if you want to be the president, you're at least going to end up, if you kind of look at how your life's gone generally, you know, when you shoot for something big, you either hit mm-hmm. that thing or, or you get something on the way. So, at the very mm-hmm. least, maybe I'll become like governor or something. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. At the very least, <laughs> no, that's all. Yeah, I'd be like right. the, the design-led governor or something. Like I'm yeah. focus on building yeah. my design team. Like forget everything like else for now. You seem like a systems person, and I think systems kind of get us to our destination faster than goals do. So I feel like yeah. you'll, uh, I feel like you'll create this this system or frame of work that will help you get there faster than somebody who just says they want to be president but i'm excited to see what that what that looks like yeah definitely man i think quite it, it, it's gonna it's gonna look like for the most part it will be quanda and it will be on show and it will be like yeah. you know how quanda operates and how we create this self-governed digital state yeah cool man well thanks for joining us thanks for uh 
beginning your uh the second part of your day with us <laughs> yeah man. It, yeah it was really fun i enjoyed the conversation i wish we could do this for longer or maybe another time like offline yeah. or something we're thinking about doing this thing where we like kind of follow up with people that we've had conversations with in the past and just see what has okay. changed since then so maybe we'll uh, get to yeah, talk about it yeah it'd be cool yeah. to do like a like a journal like a written journal piece on yeah. you uh like a year or maybe six months from now and, and, and just see you know where where everything's like kwanda with you like everything um man we just need an article with just a bunch of hyperlinks because this guy's all over <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I, hopefully i can narrow my stuff down i think i'm gonna start narrowing my stuff down but we like we talked we spoke about like 20 percent of things but yeah <laughs> well uh everybody's listening um jermaine craig is like a designer of, of systems and products um it's uh, it's really amazing what he's doing to you know help humanity and kind of move everybody forward. Uh, we'll link all the stuff he's. Um, we always say this, but we're actually into this. Well, I think we'll link. Honda's <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Um, a mood. All all these places, all these things and systems that he's designing are are truly amazing. And um, yeah, dude. Uh, thanks so much. Thanks again for listening to the Mouthwash Podcast. For more information, you can follow us on social media or check us out at mouthwash.com.